Well, in the year 2018, Christy and I responded to the call of God and formally began work on this church plant called Go Church. Our core team started gathering in January of that year, meeting on Sunday nights in our living room right here in Ridgefield. We began with a focus on prayer. At that time, we had 21 wonderful people on board. That number includes two babies. And I think there were about two in the womb, as I recall. I mean, if nothing else, you could just count on Jess Heverling to be pregnant back then. But regardless of exactly how many of us were pregnant, our little band of kingdom warriors came together and we set out on this crazy adventure to start a brand new church. Little did we know how rewarding or how challenging it would be to plant this church. But I can tell you this, none of those 21 folks are the same today as we were back then. You might be slightly interested to know who was there at the very beginning, the very beginning. So I'm going to let you know. First, those who have moved away or been sent out to do other great things. Kirk and Jody Shriver, Clint and Ilsa Marie Ashley, <clears throat> Chris and Lauren Paulini, and Lauren's mom, Margaret. Those who are still with us, Connor and Caroline Ford, James, Jess, and Molly Heverling, Roland, Chelsea, and Sadie Kinsley, Randy and Paula Adams, Frank and Jan Myers. Now, our core team grew by no more than 10, as growing the team was not our goal. But when we launched later that same year on the last Sunday of September of 2018, we watched 166 people walk through the doors of this school and crowd into that little black box down the hall. We were absolutely blown away. We had done the work, sown the seeds, and we watched in awe as God brought in a bumper crop more than we had dared to expect, and yet we were prepared nonetheless. We had everything ready in faith, and God provided the increase. One of the many things uh, people don't understand about church planning, though, is that a crowd is not a church. It's a known rule of thumb that whatever crowd you draw at the public launch will filter down to about half that size within a few weeks. And that is exactly what happened. A few weeks later, we were about 80 people who were mostly in it for the long haul. Many of you are still here. God is good. <clears throat> this is <clears throat> my last Sunday. As your pastor, after today, Christy and I will be taking a break from ministry for several weeks in order to spiritually and emotionally prepare for our next church plant already in the works. And my wife says, wait, what do you mean next? Next church plant? 
<clears throat> Moving on. Later in the service, we will be commissioned and sent out by you, who will be the parent church of this next plant. What a profound honor to be sent out by a church we help bring into existence. But before we are sent out, I want to share six lessons that I think many of us have learned over the six years of this new church. In the process, I'll be sprinkling in a little bit of our history. This is a very different kind of sermon, but as mentioned, today is a very different kind of day. So what did we learn in our first year, 2018? Many things, but I want to highlight this particular lesson. Number one, when God calls, he also provides. That's the lesson. When God calls, he also provides. The Bible says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. The context of this verse is incredibly relevant to our situation. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church he planted. But now he's away from them. What's he doing? Planting more churches. And he has just been thanking them for the financial providence that they have sent him. And then he turns around and reminds them that God will provide for their needs also. That's the context of Philippians chapter 4. The church had sent a financial gift to provide for Paul and receiving the gift from them as God's provision. He reminds them in verse 19 that God's got them too. Do you see the relevance to our situation? When God calls, he also provides. And that provision goes both ways. Listen, God provides for the one being called away, but he also provides for the ones sending him out. Do you see it? That's exactly what Paul is saying in context. And what does God provide for? In both cases, he provides for all our needs. In fact, if you read the passage, you'll see that Paul has been going on about the overabundance of what God had provided through them. But again, he doesn't stop there. He turns their gift around and tells the church, hey, God actually did this through you. And so now we can count on God to do the same for you. Because when the source of provision is the riches of his glory, the very glory embodied in Jesus Christ, what will be the end of such providence? There is no end. God's providence is infinite in Christ. And he provides both for the sent and the sender. And so like Paul, I say to you today that God will supply all of your needs. He always has, and he always will. Six years ago, we had nothing, <laughs> nothing. For instance, in the bank account. Actually, six years ago, this church didn't have a bank account. We had no ongoing support locked in from anybody, zero. Six years ago, on this date, we had one thing. We had a commitment from Randy and Paula Adams. 
who were the only ones who actually lived here in Ridgefield at the time, besides us. The Adams had said that if they'd join if we took the leap. That's the only firm commitment we had if we were to resign from my previous cushy position to try to start something from nothing. We had no support or people lined up for sure, only maybes. We had some likely candidates, but we had no money and two people committed when we announced our departure from the church in Longview. The same was basically true this time. When I announced to you in April that we would be going out to do this, we had possibilities, and that was it. Little or nothing was certain. But when God calls, he provides. We now have 33 people committed to our new core group. Most from down there. We have considerable financial support starting to come together, including, I'm sure, what will be generous support from this church, our sending church. God is providing. Why? Because he called. When God calls, he also provides. But I don't want to leave you with nothing to apply to your own life today. How does this apply to you? Maybe you haven't been called to help plant a church. First, let me say, are you sure? But moving forward today, I'm talking about a specific call to do something specific, and I'm saying that God provides for those who step out in faith to do what he's calling them to do. I want to tell you that God still calls people to do specific things. I'd encourage every person here to seek God's calling. Is there something specific, anything specific that God wants you to do? Maybe it's not lifelong like my calling. And maybe it's not something that starts today. Maybe it's down the road and preparation is required. Or maybe you've already ignored the leading of God so many times that you can't hear his still small voice anymore. But if that's the case, you can always repent and seek him again. Regardless, what I want to say is this. When God calls, he also provides. Believe it because it's true. Maybe God wants you to go on a short-term mission trip. Maybe it's hosting or leading a small group. Maybe you're being led to get a seminary education. It's, it's funny because I was, that was in my notes already. And somebody told me this morning they just, they just enrolled. <laughs> God works. Whatever it is. More than likely, resources you don't currently have will be needed. Time, maybe money or other things, maybe even something like patience <laughs> or energy you don't feel like you have. But I'm telling you from experience that when God calls, he also provides. We learned this principle in the first year of this church plant. Well, what did we learn the second year in 2019? I would say that 2019 was a year of hard work. No, we, we worked our tails off that year. I remember three women who committed to serving in children's ministry every single Sunday for that entire year for the sake of creating stability. Jess Heberling, Chelsea Kinsey, and Caroline Ford 
three awesome women of God, I must say. My wife was back there nearly every week as well. I also remember how we were learning everything from scratch, like set up and tear down and how to get the demons out of the sound system. how to fix trailer carts, so many other things that took tenacious work. I remember having both my hips replaced in the middle of it all. I remember preaching just two weeks after surgery because honestly, it felt like things were still so new and fragile that I just had to be in the pulpit in case anybody new happened to show up. This was a year of gutting it out. We worked harder that year, I think, than we ever have since because the number of laborers was few. We had a good-sized group coming to church, but only a few of us were really committed to the work because everyone was new. Still, we grew a lot that year. We experienced a ton of spiritual fruit. We added staff members and generally moved from being a typical little church plant to being a healthy, medium-sized church basically all in one year. It isn't supposed to happen that fast, and it usually doesn't. But God blessed us abundantly in spite of ourselves. And so I would put that year's lesson like this. Number two, people do the work, but God causes the growth. People do the work, but God causes the growth. Paul wrote another of his church plants saying, I planted. He didn't shy away. I planted. Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. I've always been fascinated by God's desire to use people. I'm also thankful for it since that's part of what gives life meaning. But let me just go ahead and make sure you know that you matter. Your work matters to God. He's counting on you. He prepared work for you to before you were even born. Ephesians 2.10 makes that clear. God has labor that he's counting on you to perform. Romans chapter 10 tells us that somehow, mysteriously, even the salvation of other people depends upon our work in sharing the gospel. What's one thing you could do, one type of work that God might somehow use to lead someone else to Christ. Well, you could help plant a church through which disciples will be made for generations. That's one thing you could do. And see, if you've been here long at all, if you've been here, some of you have been here since the launch. I didn't mention those names. Apologize for that. I had to just talk about the very, very earliest ones. Some of you have been here since the launch or shortly thereafter, or even a few just even before the launch towards the end of the core team phase. Listen, you planted a church. You did. That's work. Your work to establish and grow this church plant matters. And yet that's not the most important point. The most important point is that God causes the growth. God has done this, ultimately. Not me or you or any of us here. God has done this. Thankfully, he uses us, but God has done this. It's all for his glory, for his power, but why does he do it? Why has he done it? Because of love. He does it through us because of his love for us, instead of just doing it on his own. 
And he does it because he loves the people we've impacted. God loves the disciples we've made as a church before we made them. He loves the disciples who will be made through this church in the future. It's all because of love. It's all caused by love, which is the very nature of God. He is love, and he has caused the growth. From your heart, say it with me. Thank you, Lord, for the amazing thing you've done here. And thank you for doing it somehow, in some way, through your people. People do the work. But God causes the growth. Both sides of this lesson are important. I know for my part, I got another 2019 coming soon. I have another year of hard labor. Section in the back, that's you. We have a year of hard work coming. Somebody secretly got some of the core team here today with their next church. I just, what a blessing. Had no idea. <laughs> See, it takes a lot of fuel to make orbit. Most of the first year won't be too tough. It'll be more about connecting to the vine to prepare for the work. But then probably next fall we'll hit the launch and for at least a year after that, we will work ourselves to the bone. But our efforts will matter for one reason and one reason only. Our work will matter because God will cause the growth. I believe it, and I look forward to seeing what God will do once again. What about here? At Go Ridgefield, I happen to know that the man who will likely be your next pastor has a vision to get back to work, particularly when it comes to the more outward parts of who we need to be as a church. I don't want to steal his thunder, and he's the one who shared this vision with me. But I will tell you now that he is 100% on track with where I think God wants to lead this church. God and your next pastor will lead you out into the world. And that is exactly where this church has been prepared to go. You are ready for the mission. But it's going to be work. I'm encouraging you to do the work your next pastor leads you into. And if you do, God will cause the growth. When I wrote that down last week, I literally got chills. I'm truly excited about where this church is going after I'm gone. And that's the honest truth. What about 2020? Just going to pause and make sure you all can hear me okay. Can you hear me? It sounds weird today. Try not to stop and say anything, but I do want to make sure you can hear me. Can you hear me in the back? Okay. Because otherwise it's kind of a waste of time, right? <laughs> Might as well just... All right. What about 2020? Can you guess the lesson? In 2020, we learned that what God grows... He also prunes. Did we learn that or did we learn that? <laughs> Let me be honest that I'm pretty good at putting a positive spin on difficult times, especially when those times are in the past. Sometimes I do this to the point that people forget and I forget how hard things were. Let me remind you just a little bit. 
We were growing faster than the horsetails in my backyard on Green Gables Loop. We were exploding. Everyone was excited. Do you remember? We had moved out of the black box because we couldn't cram in there anymore. And we had moved into this room and we were having crowds like never before. I was doing the preacher thing and riding the momentum because I just couldn't help my excitement. And then COVID hit like a raunchy joke told in a Sunday school class. That's just the best metaphor I could come up with about how COVID felt to a church in a period of explosive growth. Unwelcome. Just get that out of here, <laughs> to say the least. And we thought it would pass quickly because, after all, God's favor was on our plant, right? I mean, we had the blessing of God. Indeed, God was with us. So, two weeks to slow the spread, right? Not exactly. Few entities on earth were impacted more than churches. I know so many pastors who didn't make it. Two of my best pastor friends are now out of the ministry. So many church plants died. So many older churches died as well. That really happened, folks. To some degree, it's still happening. Who do we blame? The government, China, Satan. We felt like sheep, right? We were duped. We were controlled. We were, well, we all know how we felt. But who is in control of the universe again? Now, I do think it is important to delineate between God causing things and God using things because God is not the author of evil. But before delving into a philosophical conundrum, the point today is that God used COVID, among other things, to prune our church. And he did a very good job of it. I don't think we even know how good what God did was for our church. We will never know. It may sound harsh, but it's my last day. And so I'll just say it. There were things and there were people who needed to go. What God grows, he also prunes. Many of you know the Bible is clear on this. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Folks, entire churches got taken away, just like it says. Some churches needed to be taken away. And that's just true. If a church has borne no fruit for a decade, it may well be doing more harm than good by continuing to exist. Harsh? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's what Jesus said. I know some people find a nicer way to interpret that, but I'm just going to take it the way Jesus said it because I've watched it happen. And I think Jesus is actually thinking about his church quite a bit in this passage. Moving on, what does Jesus say about branches that bear fruit? He says that God prunes them 
which means cutting them back. In other words, he causes them to decrease for a time. He cuts things away. He makes the branch smaller. But why? So that it may bear more fruit. And here we are today, fruit-born. During the heart of COVID, we dipped down to about 70 or 80 many Sundays, counting the kids. By the way, there's generally about 50 in the kids' area back there. You ought to go back there sometime. It's a sight to behold. It's amazing. There's a whole other church back there every week. I think they're better than us. Let's just be honest. It's better than ours. Yeah, we dipped down to about 70 or 80 many Sundays during the heart of COVID. Last Sunday, we had over 170 people in attendance. And what about more important things like baptisms? We baptized around 40 people since the deepest pruning ended just in these last two years. Would this have happened without pruning? I honestly don't think so. But what about the future? Will we remember lessons learned? Or will we panic? Personally, I think this church is not going to see much of a dip through the coming transition, but there could be a few people move on, sure. Every time there's a new pastor, few folks will make exit. I'm betting in our case it doesn't happen much, but what if it does? Well, I say, so be it. After 30 years of ministry, I've finally realized, I think, the value of pruning because I've observed it over and over again. When something God owns bears fruit, he prunes it. That means if God is not pruning, watch out because maybe we're not his thing anymore at that point. Have you ever done a study on the crowds of Jesus? They just kept getting smaller. They'd get bigger again, they'd get smaller. If there's no pruning, maybe it's not God's thing anymore. In our case, though, I'm here to tell you that we are always being pruned. Happens all the time. I watched someone walk out of our service a couple of weeks ago, and I, let me tell you, it was because of what I was preaching. No doubt about it. It was clear. There will always be pruning. And we've got to learn to see that as the blessing of God. When what God grows, he also prunes. Moving on, what about 2021? What happened that year? Absolutely nothing. Terrible year. I was burned out coming through COVID, and so was the church. So what do we do that year? We waited. And that's about it. We waited. Oh, man, is this lesson ever important? Number four, when strength fails, wait on the Lord. When strength fails, wait on the Lord. There are so many verses on this, but I want to use Psalm 130, verses 5 through 6, where the Bible says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. One thing I like about this verse is it shows that when we wait on the Lord, we wait with anticipation and faith. 
We may get antsy. We may wish the morning would come sooner, but we know the morning is coming. We are indeed to be watchmen as we serve the Lord on this earth. We watch ultimately for his return, but we also watch for God to, quote, do something in the here and now. We are watching for God to show up like the dawn. Oh, we who are watchmen have seen God work before. And we know he can do it again. In fact, we know he will do it again. Just as sure as the morning is coming. But the biggest point here is that in the meantime, we often must wait. Why is waiting so difficult? I think waiting is hard for us because it requires faith, and faith is not our nature. We tend toward fear and doubt. When we are waiting, we struggle to believe that whatever we are waiting for is ever going to happen. Nothing stretches and grows our faith like waiting. That is exactly why God seldom acts instantly. Or as soon as we think he should. He wants to make us wait for our own good. But wasn't 2020 enough for a church to go through? Why did we have to continue to go through it in 2021? Because God wasn't finished working on us. And looking back, it's like, oh, it was a couple years. Good grief. So what? A couple years in the grand scheme of things. Look at some of the waiting times people had in the Bible. You know, what, J- Jacob was, what, 20 years waiting for Rachel? I, she couldn't have been that pretty. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he gets Leah anyway, whatever. No, I guess the whole total got, he finally got Rachel after 20 years. Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, really. Two years or whatever, good grief. But at the time, there were days I almost quit. I think you ought to know that, church family. There were some seasons, especially in 2021, several times when I almost didn't make it. I really can't explain why. Looking back, it doesn't even make sense. Because we were really pretty okay around here. Why was it so hard? I don't know. I think it was spiritual warfare. I felt oppressed. I felt so tired and down. Not as much about our church as about everything else. I wanted to run, to escape. I just, I was shredded. And then, my associate pastor's wife divorced him. So he had to step down. I was at the end of myself, and then that happened. I, I, I barely endured. What about you? When did you hit that wall in your life? Maybe some of you are at the wall right now. Listen. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. He's worth it. You'll make it. Wait on the Lord like a watchman who knows the morning will come. Because it will. 
When strength fails, wait on the Lord. This brings us to 2022. Sometime in 22, the morning came. The morning came. Sometime in 2022, the Lord came back to us, as it were. And yes, I know he had never left. But it felt like he did. The fact is that sometimes God plays a little bit hard to get. Sometimes God is a little bit hard to find. Sometimes he makes us wait. But oh, how even perceived absence makes the heart grow fonder. And God always rewards the wait. So the lesson for 2022 flows right out of 21. And here it is, number five. When we wait on the Lord, he renews our strength. You knew that was coming. It's a promise, the word of God. Hear the prophet Isaiah with God's word for all times. He writes, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? Hello. Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. Oh my goodness, was I weak. Somewhere in there in 2021, especially. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we wait on the Lord, he renews our strength. It's easy to miss the profound edge of this truth. When you first hear it, you might think, okay, like, it's really simple. If you wait long enough, eventually God will give you what you want or what you think you need. Actually, no. This promise is so much deeper than that. First of all, this is not about getting anything in particular other than strength. And secondly, this is not about just getting strength from somewhere. But it's more importantly about getting that strength from God. This is about the power and strength of God. This is about God coming to you personally and giving you his strength. Would it be better to have a problem solved or to be given the power by God to face that problem? Think about this carefully because there will always be another problem have we really grasped what it would be like to be given the Lord's strength? He gives power to the weak, his power. Would you rather have God fix stuff or be given his power? I'd rather be given his power. God's word promises that when we wait on him in faith, we will receive his strength. Understand that God wants to visit you with his power. He wants to give you his strength. He promises to do so when you wait on him. But what if you don't wait on him? What if you try to do things and fix things and solve things in your own power? I don't mean you have to sit on your hands. But what if you aren't really expecting anything from God at all? Well, that would mean you are not waiting on him. And it would seem that you might miss out on receiving his strength. After all, the word doesn't say everyone will get his power and his strength. It says those who wait on the Lord are the ones who will be strengthened by him. Have you ever really waited on the Lord? Me? I'm a fixer. 
I'm a problem solver, a person who will try to move heaven and earth to get things to be how I think they need to be. That's how I am by nature. But it's not how I need to be as a pastor. So many times over these last six years, God said, just wait. I'm sorry, he rolled his eyes. I know he did. I know he rolled his eyes at me. Mark, just wait. And I'm like, but what about, and God's like, wait. I will say that I've gotten better about waiting as I've aged. I wish I had learned sooner. Listen, when it comes to a healthy church, so often we need to not come up with new ideas, not develop new systems, not spout off some new vision or direction, not look for land or a building to get people excited, not fret or worry if it seems like growth has slowed down or maybe there haven't been as many salvations or things just are kind of a little bit in a lull. We need to not do anything about any of it except pray and to wait on the Lord. Hear me say that. This is a healthy church. And if you will simply continue to do what you are doing and to trust God and to simply give it time to just wait on God, do more of the kinds of things he's done since day one, in his timing and when he's ready, your strength will continue to be renewed. He will continue to do his thing. But that's just it, you see. We can have his thing or our thing, but we can't have both. And if we're so busy doing our thing instead of waiting on his thing, we won't ever see his thing get done. It's a lesson learned, one I learned in 2022. But then came 2023. This has been a year of growth and a blessing, and God has done a whole lot. But for the sake of time, I'll focus on the one big lesson, which is this, number six. We are part of something much bigger than ourselves. They're part of something much bigger than ourselves. The lesson this year is about the kingdom of God. I've preached it. I'm living it. You are also living it. By sending us out with your blessing and support. We've not all been very fond of this lesson. Of course. I can tell you my wife wasn't very fond of it at all. She didn't want to leave you guys. Neither did I. Make no mistake. It's a sacrifice. For us and for you. But hey, we are learning this lesson. (laughs) Like it or not, all of us. That this one particular church is not an end unto itself. We are part of something bigger. Sometimes people get confused about the main reason we have come together as a local church. There are many reasons, but there is a main reason. And that reason is to make disciples. You all know the Great Commission if you've attended here very long. Jesus left us here to make disciples who make disciples. We are to baptize them and to teach them to obey the commands of Christ. We're to help people follow Jesus. And what if following Jesus means starting a new church to help even more people follow Jesus? Well, then the rest of us support those called to that. And more importantly, we see their work as the ultimate expression of mission accomplishment for our church. Today, Go Church is demonstrating its health by reproducing. Healthy things not only grow, but they also reproduce. More importantly, churches full of the Holy Spirit multiply. As the Bible says, so the church had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it 
multiplied. The rest of the book of Acts is all about church planting. I preached my sermon on the church at Antioch when they sent out Paul and Barnabas to plant churches, so I won't do that again today. But let me say this. If anyone needs to understand what we are doing right now in sending out the original church planter, the founding pastor of the church, to plant still another church, simply read the book of Acts. I mean, this is exactly what they did in the early church. They sent out their A-team to plant. Uh, it sounds arrogant, but I'm just saying. I am the lead pastor, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what they did. Sometimes I hear people say the lead pastor shouldn't go out, that, that we should send out somebody else. Maybe some young guy who's still learning. We need our experienced pastor to stay here and take care of this church. That's what people tend to think. And it might make some sense if this church is the primary consideration. But what if the kingdom of God is the primary consideration? Besides that, practically speaking, is it easier to assume leadership over something that's established and healthy, like Timothy taking over the church at Ephesus for Paul? Or is it easier to go start a new church from scratch? I've done both. And I can tell you it's much harder to start something new. See, if God's point is expanding his kingdom, then we need to send out our Pauls to plant new churches and let our Timothys take over the ones that are established. Exactly as they did in the early church. In other words, I think we've been doing it wrong. Generally, and maybe that's why so many of our church plants fail. And I could tell you why it doesn't usually work for people without experience to plant churches, but I'd rather just point you to Scripture. What happened in the Bible? Powerful leaders who had planted powerful churches went out from those churches and planted more powerful churches. They raised up other pastors to take over the churches they had planted so they could go and do it again. That's what happened in the Bible. Christy and I are being sent out today to plant our third church. The first was back in Missouri. And it took 12 years to get it ready for us to go. That's a long time. My kids grew up there. This one took six years. And somehow it's far stronger than the last one was when I left. Far stronger. Yet they did extremely well after I was gone. But you're going to do even better. Meanwhile, I got old. Somewhere in the middle of all this, I got old. Some I know, it's obvious. You notice and so you laugh. I mean, hearing aids, come on. Progressive lenses, hip replacements, what the? How did this happen? In the middle of all this, one might be prone to ask, what will be left of me after the next plant? I don't know. Probably have a lot more gray hair, but if we can get it to a strong and healthy place before I'm too old, and if God provides someone to take it from there, then we will probably go again at that point. Why? Because this is my calling, and because this is how we expand the kingdom of God, by sending out people who are called to plant churches. Am I the only one planting one church after another? Well, honestly, it's pretty rare at this point. Even though it's so biblical, it seems there are a lot of good and right things that are rare these days. 
But I do wonder why there are not more experienced pastors going out and planting multiple churches. Based on God's desire to expand his kingdom, I can only assume some are simply not willing to obey. After all, do you think it's easy to walk away from what God has built here? Why don't successful pastors of successful churches who are being rewarded for that success leave to go start new churches? Is it because they're not called? Or is it because they'd rather stay? I don't know. I would never judge any individual. But thinking more generally, I can't imagine why only rookies are planting churches. It makes no sense. And as I've said, it isn't even what we see in the Bible, nor does it fit with God's desire to expand his kingdom. But of course, I can only do what I feel called to do. I only bring this up in case there is someone within the sound of my voice, either here or online, who needs to hear the call of God today. I want to formally thank you for your support in sending us out. And Christy wants to thank you too. If I'm a wannabe Paul, she's Barnabas, the encourager, and we're mostly definitely, most definitely a team. Today, you're sending us out, like Paul and Barnabas out of Antioch. And like them, we know our church loves us and would rather keep us, keep us around. I, it would hurt if you didn't feel that way, right? You'd rather keep us around. We know you don't want to see us go. And it fills our hearts, believe me. We love you too, more than I can say. But today, we all need to remember this lesson. We are part of something much bigger than ourselves. And listen, if any church could ever feel like they truly got outside of themselves and multiplied by starting another church, it ought to be you. You are sending out your lead pastor and his wife. You will support us financially, I'm sure, and we know you will pray for us, and you will be our home base, our Antioch. On top of all that, we're even naming this baby after you. I'm not telling you that Christy is pregnant. Don't, don't go off on some kind of Abraham and Sarah type of situation. <laughs> I'm talking about the baby church. And she will bear your name. Go Church East County. You are reproducing, and that's because you're part of something much bigger than yourselves. The kingdom of God. As I close, I'd like to pray a prayer of thanksgiving to God for this wonderful church full of wonderful people. And then I'm told that others are taking over this service. Pray with me, if you will. God... My God, thank you for bringing these people, for allowing me to be their pastor for a season, an under-shepherd. You, Jesus, are their ultimate pastor, their ultimate shepherd but I've got to have an influence in their lives. They have been willing to show up and sit under my preaching. They've let me know when they needed prayer. We've had a relationship, and it's been one of the most blessed seasons of my life.
so many people, so many individuals, some I know very well, others I don't know as well, but they've still been such an encouragement to me. There are so many people in this room right now who I want to thank you for. Thank you for the growth I've seen in their lives, how they've changed. Thank you for the love that they've given us as a family, for how they've taken care of us. They've given of their finances that they could have spent on other things so that we could be provided for and we have been provided for wonderfully. They've loved us. They've written us notes of encouragement. Thank you, God, for these people. Oh, I wish I could just name every name. Thank you for these people, Lord. Bless them. Help them know we'll not forget them. We continue to pray for this church that we planted from the bottom of our hearts and any other way in the future that we could help. There's very little in this world that we would care more about than this church. Help them to know that and bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Next. Go Church Ridgefield. Am I on? Okay. Can you hear me? If you can't hear me in the back, raise your hand. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Before we conclude our worship service today, we want to properly bless and send Mark and Christy Ford to plant the new church. Go Church East County. Today is a very special day at Go Church Ridgefield for it marks the day that we, the whole church, participate with the Holy Spirit in sending Mark and Christy Ford to do the work that which God has called them to do with our blessing. As difficult as it may be for us to see Mark and Christy be sent from us to plant new Go Church East County, we must remember some things that are very important. One, it is God who gives life. It is God who calls. It is God who equips, provides, and sustains us for you being sent and for us sending. It is God the Father who sent his Son. And we as his children, Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. So we want to imitate Daddy who sent his Son. We are sending also as dearly loved children. 
And it's God who gives the blessing through us all for his glory, all for his loving glory, all for his glorious love. And we, in turn, as God's people, partner with him in not only blessing Mark and Christy, but we at Go Church Ridgefield are solidifying ourselves in this partnership as a sending church. That's very important. It bonds the foundation that we have today. Along with those today who came as a core group from Go Church East County to receive them in the work to help build and eventually launch Go Church East County. Mark, Christy, you're not only being sent by this church, you're also being received by the church at once. That's a huge blessing. So with that, I would like to invite Mark and Christy to come forward, along with the pastor elders at Go Church Ridgefield. I'd like to ask Pastor Connor, who has a section of scripture he'd like to read and comment. All right, so the first thing I want to note is um, I want you to see the work of God in this service. It's kind of like a little microcosm of, of what's happened at this church over these years. But the, the, the section of scripture that I chose to read today, um, I, I had no idea what he was going to share. I didn't know what he was going to say. But we're going to read out of Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me. for the work which I have called them then after they fasted prayed and laid hands on them they laid hands on them and they sent them off that's what we're going to do right now we are going to lay hands on Pastor Mark my dad and his wife with Paul and Barnabas as he mentioned and we're going to do exactly what we read here in scripture and so if you're not comfortable or with coming up, you can, of course, raise your hand. Um, but if you would like to come up and put your hand on them, you can come up and go ahead and do that now. And I will go ahead and pass it over back to Bill. And as you come, the pastors will pray over them. And I'll close with a blessing. Give you a minute or two. brought us 
messages from your word, but his life and Christie's life is a message for us, an example for us, an example of courage and faithfulness and obedience. We thank you for this, Father, and we pray, Father, that we would learn and embody this message ourselves, that we too might be obedient and faithful to the call. In Jesus' name. God, I just uh, want to lift up Mark and Christy. <laughs> just the faith that you have given them, um, just to be able to uh, just step out, Lord, in faith and in courage. And God, that you would just help us in our, our lives, that we would step out in faith in a similar way. And God, that uh, just thank you for rewarding that faith with an LAC. God, that you are just doing work um, in this church and in the receiving church, God, that um, that you are guiding all things, God. And Lord, that we can just um, trust that you are in control. And Lord, um, we just play, pray a, just a special blessing on them. And you really just faithful ministry. Lord, that is such a honor to be a part of, honor to be working alongside Mark and Christy. And just um, that we would just soak in um, today, Lord, that we would just be able to um, just thank them and to be grateful for the time that we've been able to spend with them the last six years, Lord. Father, our hearts are filled today with uh, so many thoughts and so many emotions. It is a day for Go Richfield that is sad in a sense, not that we will never see Mark and Christy again, <laughs> we will, but Lord, that they are leaving their roles here and we do want to thank you because we know they have done what they have done because of your grace and your calling and your assignment we thank you for how you have used them here and lord we would not be remiss of failing to say praise you for letting us have mark and christy to go richfield but lord we also today are filled with joy and rejoicing because we know you are birthing a new church. Oh, God, though our hearts are heavy that so few churches in our country do that, we're thankful for Go Richfield being obedient to your call and your word and your model and sending them out. We pray today your richest blessings upon them. Bless my friend Mark that he might be so renewed in these months ahead that he will be ready for the task at hand. And Lord, bless my dear sister, Christy. Thank you, Lord, for her support of all that's happened here. Lord, it isn't easy to be a pastor's wife, and it certainly isn't easy to be a church planner's wife. But thank you for Christy and her following your call, and we pray your richest blessings upon her this day. In Jesus' name. Lord, you know what this day is for our church. It's a time when we get to practice what we preach. When we get to be a part and actually do this thing that we've been learning about how to do, which is to multiply for your kingdom, which is to, to, send, to send out. Lord, thank you that we get to be a part of this. This is, this is incredible. This is your work. 
Lord, your work of evangelism and discipleship is more than just each one of us individually walking around and knocking on doors. It's about being the church as well. It's about sending out. It's about being together in this as we think um, about something that's bigger than ourselves. Um, Lord, you know our hearts. <laughs> you know that there's a part of this that isn't easy. But that just helps us know all the more that it's the right thing. So thank you, God, for this day. And uh, bless my parents as they go out. Lord, you say in your word in Exodus 20, Moses and for his people, you said that at any place where my name is honored, where you cause your, honor, your name to be honored, you will come to them and bless them. So Lord, I pray, lift up Mark and Christy to you as we send them off with your blessing, that they too honor your name, honor your word, and that you will personally come to them and those who come to worship you with your blessing. Mark, Christy, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his face up to you and give you shalom. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.